Welcome to the Midnight Podcast. The story we will be reading today is my husband went to India two weeks ago. What came back isn't him. Part three of a what seems to be three-part series, so I hope you enjoy it. I've been living in a nightmare. As I waited for the police to arrive that night, I considered driving away. I just did not want to stay there anymore. My mind began to dissociate while I wept. I felt trapped. When the police finally arrived, I stepped out of my car. I told them my side of the story, telling them about how my husband had been acting completely out of character lately. They told me that the most they could do was talk to him about it and maybe give him a warning. I did not want that, but I couldn't think straight. My head pounded in agony and my chest felt hollow. I followed them upstairs, my sense of fear fading away as reality felt more like a fading dream. Surely I must be dreaming. I stood back as the police entered our apartment and I heard them mumble inside. I stared at the doorway, my mind going numb. I began to lose my footing, but somehow held myself up. I needed something to focus on or I'd have surely passed out. I tried to listen in on the conversation. Stepping closer to the door to get a better listen, I realized that I hadn't heard Jay's voice. I entered the apartment and found Jay on our bed, sitting up and staring blankly at the officers, his eyes sleepy and tired. Noticing me, one of the two officers asked me to follow them outside. One of the men stayed at the doorway, cautiously watching for Jay. After asking me if my husband had a history of substance abuse, he made his assurances that I could call them if something like this happens again and that they could recommend resources for domestic violence support. I stood at the doorway, watching the officers leave, as I contemplated what to do next. I decided to be brave and walked in. Jay sat on the bed, looking tired. His eyes followed me, glistening with tears. I made sure that every light in the apartment was turned on before entering the bedroom. Jay turned his face away from me when I did. I'm sorry, I said, breaking the silence. I made sure to keep my distance from him. No, no, you did the right thing, he said. I, I love you so much, Becky. I'm scared. I don't know what's going on and I'm scared of hurting you. I felt tears run down my face too. I restrained myself. I did not want to get close to him since I was afraid, but at the same time, I felt guilty. I felt guilty for not knowing what to do and for being so deathly afraid of the man I love. I managed to get some words out through my sobs, trying to be brave. Jay, please tell me what's going on. What did you do? What happened back in India? I... Jay cut off, finally mustering some courage to look me in the eyes. Becky, you need to leave. I walked up to him, mustering up the courage to put my hand on his shoulder. Jay! He collapsed onto the bed, conscious but drained. I jumped. Startled by my phone ringing. I answered it without checking, knowing who it was. Hi, Moet here. Uh, you guys should come here, he said in an awkward tone. I think... I heard my mother-in-law in the back talking, making Jay's cousin translate every line. This is serious. Auntie talked to a local priest and there's forces at work beyond us. I know this is hard to believe, but trust me, Becky. I felt my stomach drop. I heard Mohit go on, translating for me everything that Jay's mom said. They even offered to pay for our trip, pleading that I come back. I still didn't know what to believe. I didn't want to believe it. My husband was sick and he needed a doctor. Not this. Mohit, I'm handing over the phone to Jay. No, I heard Jay whisper. 
don't. I knew that pleading with him would be useless, so I didn't bother. I instead put Jay's mom on the speaker, who then began talking to Jay in Hindi. Jay seemed completely indifferent to what his mom said, just responding with one-word answers seemingly dismissive. Before hanging up, she wanted to talk to me one more time. Becky, I found someone who can help, Mohit translated. They should be reaching out soon. I spent that night at a hotel, leaving Jay alone in the apartment. Even though I was away from him, my paranoia kept me up the whole night. That and the migraine. I turned on the television and played it in the background, fearing the silence, and I made sure to leave every light on, afraid of the shadows. I thought of Maximus, and even though I am not religious, I sent a prayer out for him. I prayed that he was safe and that I would see him again. I couldn't get the thoughts of the little baby out of my head, but I had no more tears to shed for the night. In a messed up way, I was relieved that he was away from whatever was happening with Jay. But I only wish he was safe with me, curled up in my arms. Sleep took me, and I was back in another nightmare. I heard Jay's screams in a dark forest. It was impossibly dense and hard to navigate, but somehow my body moved on its own accord. I knew this was a dream, and I tried to wake myself up, dreading each step my body took on its own. I came to stop at what looked like an ancient fort. Jay's screams sounding more agonized. I began walking to the fort, trying my hardest to wake up, dreading whatever was inside. My husband's screams had turned increasingly inhuman. I woke up sweaty. I blinked a couple of times, trying to get my eyes adjusted to the dark. There were strange white lights next to my eyes that bothered me. I rubbed my eyes a couple of times, trying to make out the light. Then I realized something that made a deep, primal fear set in. I had left the lights on before going to bed. I was in complete darkness, and the light in front of my eyes, the tiny, white rings of light, were eyes. I was paralyzed, unable to move. I knew for a fact that I was fully awake, and this wasn't part of my dream. There was something in the bed with me, and it had its arms around me, much like my husband would have. But this thing was not my husband. This thing was not Jay. Its head was way too elongated, and it had horns on its head. It had a sickingly hooked nose and a mouth curved into a perpetual frown. Its skin was leathery, and I felt its claw-tipped hands caress my back. It had an expression on its face that looked like excitement. Slowly, it sat upright. It began to walk backwards, tiny white eyes still locked onto me as it disappeared into the darkness. My throat felt numb. If I wanted to scream, I couldn't. I felt faint and everything seemed to be closing in on me. My phone had been buzzing on the bed and I reached for it, answering it hastily, my hands shaking. Hello? A female voice said from the other side. Hello? Is this Rebecca Kyle? I put the phone in my pocket, walking out of the room without answering. It was just a dream, I kept telling myself quietly. Just a dream. Hello? The caller kept asking. Rebecca? I felt a scratch on my back near my shoulders. My soul felt cold, blood turning to ice as things began to set in. Desperately, I tried to convince myself that it was fake. Hello? I finally answered, walking down to the hotel lobby. My voice was shaky, but I didn't care to suppress the fear anymore. Hi, Rebecca. I'm sorry to be calling you so early. I'm Maya. Your mother-in-law gave me your number. I was wondering if I could talk to you about what's going on. I just landed in LA from Denver and I could get a cab to your address if that's alright. I paused. Who are you? I asked. I'm a friend. 
You can trust me, I heard Maya say. I felt fear in my guts as she said that. Something about the way she said it gave me chills. I was desperate, and after what just happened, I didn't want to be alone anymore, so I offered to drive her. After I hung up, I realized that I had many missed calls in the past couple of hours from my mother-in-law. I called her back. She reassured me through Mohit that Maya could help. Amaya was a very ordinary-looking woman. Ethnically ambiguous, she was a woman with reddish, curly hair and dark brown eyes. She stood shorter than me and wore a flowing, traditional Indian suit in black. A black string loosely hung around her neck, and there wasn't an ounce of wariness on her face. Despite her friendly manner, something about the woman struck me as odd. She greeted me with a huge smile on her face and got into my car, carrying only a backpack. I was just relieved to have some company, especially after what happened. I got onto a flight as soon as I heard about your husband. I'm really sorry that you have to go through this, she said. Reaching in her bag, she grabbed a piece of dark string. Wear this around your neck, she said. Protection. It's important that you put this on before we talk about anything. I let her put it on me, silently compliant. I felt hypnotically drawn to this woman as much as I was afraid of her. Now? she said with her friendly manner. Let us begin. What? I asked. Oh, I guess I should give you a proper introduction first. I'm what you can call a priest. Not exactly, but maybe something close. Your mother-in-law reached out to a colleague of mine and he reached out to me. Since I was the closest to you, I've worked with situations like this before. I think I can help you but you need to stay calm and try to stick with me through this thing, even though it will get difficult at times. I nodded. I began to tell her my side of things, and slowly everything spilled out. I told her about the heartbeat, my cat going missing, the nightmares, and, with great difficulty, the thing I saw at the hotel. Oh, she said, her lips twitching as she tried to smile out of excitement. I'm so terribly sorry. You said you had a cat? She asked. Yes. And she smiled. I see, and you say it's been missing? I nodded. She frowned, feigning sympathy. I'm sorry, but cats are highly sensitive animals. Maybe we will see it again after all this is over. Let's meet your husband. I would like to hear his side of things. I complied, driving towards the apartment. I gripped the wheel hard, feeling like a fish drawn into depths where a predator lurked. And do not worry, she said, patting my shoulder, smiling widely. I'm a friend. And that's it for this part. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, if another part does come out, though, it was five months since the part two, the, the part prior to this one. So if one comes out soon, well, I'll upload it quickly. But uh, I guess we'll just have to wait. So anyway, huge thank you to my patrons for helping make this episode possible with the generosity. And huge thank you to you for listening. I mean, you could have listened to any other story that you came across, but you chose this one, and I'm really appreciative. I hope you'll stick around. I hope maybe subscribe or follow the podcast, whatever you got, and uh, maybe we'll see you in the next one. So I hope you have a great day, a great week, whatever you're doing. I hope it's, I hope you're well, and um, we'll see you later.